We might have just had the single greatest weekend of playoff football ever in the NFL. Those games were amazing. I feel like I still could watch the Bills and Chiefs play forever. We got Hall of Fame news in Major League Baseball. That's very exciting as well. And also a little hostile. Depends on who you ask. We even got an insider from Kurt Schilling we're going to share with everybody. And a 49ers fan stops by as we get inside the mind of the madness as Shanahan and company try to make a run for the Super Bowl. This is the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome, welcome, welcome back once again to the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. This is Chad the Mark with Mr. Brown and Canadian Biggie. And fellas, I was talking about it in the intro. I had to work most of the weekend. I was sneaking on my phone. But was it the single greatest divisional round playoff games that we've had in the NFL? The greatest one in my 40 years. Every game ended on the last play of the game with three walk-off field goals and then the uh, pass to Kelsey to end your Sunday night in overtime. That was spectacular. I mean, people want to talk about March Madness and lack of productivity. <laughs> I'm saying right now, sell sleep number stock because they didn't get nothing done this weekend. No, we were uh, we were just kind of watching. Actually, you know, I was surprised. We did okay. I will say this, the sleep number advertising in the NFL – I had so many people come in and be like, yeah, I saw the commercials because they were all over the place. But anyway, uh, the the let, let's just start at the beginning. First game, my Bengals uh, playing maybe the worst one seed that we've had. See, I hate uh, this, and I like it at the same time. I like it for you because I know you're a diehard Bengals fan, and it's been so long. But at the same time, you've crapped all over the Titans as a number one seed. I feel vindicated Top five now. power rankings, and it vindicated you. Right. So like, here I am sticking to my story. I'm not saying, like, oh, we beat the one seed. No, I said the Titans are trash, and the Bengals just no, proved no, it. No, but here's the deal. The, the Packers also lost, and they're a number one <laughs> We're seed. We're going to get there, I too. know, but my point is, anything can happen in a given week. These are good teams. The teams are in the playoffs, except for the Steelers, and apparently the Cardinals. We all thought yeah. that they were going to be pretty decent. Um, so the thing about Cincinnati, though, is you had Derrick Henry coming back. Didn't really impact the game much. Uh, they they let Tannehill do Tannehill-type things. That's why they won. And Joey Burrow and McFearless, like they just they have the bravado – of a team that acts like they're supposed to be there. And it was a beautiful thing. And I sit in my car and I watched it on the phone. I was at my dad's house to go watch the end of it. Wouldn't get out of the car. I had to watch the rest of it because I was like, everything's going well. And when Tannehill threw that pick at the end of the game, and I was like, oh my God, there's 20 seconds left. That was it. And they, they ended up winning. It was amazing. Like, I'm, is this real life? Like, is this what it feels like to have a team that wins? This is amazing. I've experienced this for the last 20 years. Trust me. After a while, it doesn't get old. You can, you will continue to enjoy it. I have one thing to say about Joe Burrow, who's been lights out, Joe Cool. He's not Joe Cool. You are great with words. You must come up with a nickname for him. Joe Cool is taken. I keep hearing people say it. Joe Montana is Joe Cool. It's Just Joey, like it's Tom Joey Franchise. Tom Terrific. It's Joey Franchise. Joey Franchise. Joey Franchise. All right. At the end of that game, I will say for the second week in a row, there was a phantom whistle in week, the first in the wild card week against the Raiders, uh, an uncalled PI on the interception at the end of the game that led to your field goal. How do you feel about the call suddenly going in your favor? So we talked ad nauseum about the phantom whistle, which was part of the game, and we know that was bullshit and all that, but the pass interference is much more subjective, and, and I haven't seen nearly the amount of people 
come out and really talk about that, everyone just said, well, Tannehill sucks. So I'm just going to ride that one. And for your interference call, I don't really care. So I can attest that Ryan Tannehill does suck. He does. <laughs> he does. Um, but I was curious. I was very curious on this game. And I know you don't want to hear this, but I feel like the Bengals would win the game. But I was never going to give you the satisfaction of me picking the Bengals to win the game. Because uh, I've just felt like their teams are heading in different directions. So let me elaborate. You had Derrick Henry, the eighth leading rusher of the league, uh, in what eight nine games? Yes. Coming back. So generally, when that happens, you got a team that's rolling. They they've been yeah, rolling. They were playing despite, okay without despite him. it. Uh, but you're like, how does that? How's it going to change the dynamic? How the culture? What they the got chemistry. going on? The chemistry. Um, but then you're thinking it's freaking Derrick Henry. Obviously, it's going to be better. Well, then, but what I noticed when I was watching the game was he didn't have that explosiveness. Oh, he wasn't 100%. I'm not going to sit here and tell you we beat him no, no, 100%. No, I'm just team. saying, like, but, like, watching him, he didn't have the explosiveness. They kept trying to ride him like they normally would, and he would get his four or five yards of carry, but there was never a carry where he would, like, just break off for a big run. Uh, so I could tell it wasn't the same Derrick Henry. So at a certain point, maybe they should have said, you know what, let's go back to what got us right. here. But they didn't adjust. Real quick, just to add to that, the, when I when I agree 100% with that statement, but when it kind of comes to fruition for me is when the Titans at the end of the game, they have a third and one, and they run this stupid read option play, and Tannehill keeps it. And I'm like, well, that was stupid. Wow. And then so it's fourth and one, and I'm like, man, we just got to stop Henry. And they blow it up. Like there's Give like them that the ball explosiveness twice. not is there at all, you know, and then Cincinnati gets the ball back. Well, their offensive coordinator's an idiot. They had a drive in the third quarter. You guys are up 16-6, and it's runs all the way down the field. Henry has a couple nice runs, and then their backup busts for like 40 yards. They're down inside the 10, and the first play is a wide receiver screen that one of your defensive end tips and intercepts. Yep, yep. Keep running the ball. You've just ran it down their throat. So as well as Cincinnati played, I'm disappointed that you kept putting the the game in Tanny Hill's hands. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, I mean, it, Cincinnati should have won that game a lot more than three. Yeah. Like they 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 outplayed them, but it, it is what it is. They had trouble uh, finishing drives, and and Tennessee was terrible on third downs. I felt like Tennessee leading up to this game throughout the stretch run without Derrick Henry. They were kind of like a team like the 49ers, which we're going to talk about. Yep, because they didn't have that that one guy who's going to beat you. Um, it would be A.J. Brown, but Tannehill can't get him the ball consistently. <laughs> no. But my point is is that they're a wild card, and I, how do you prepare for a team like that that finds a way to win every week? And, like, the Bengals, you know, it, it, probably relief knowing, let's kill Derrick Henry. Let's make Derrick Tannehill – or, sorry, yeah, Ryan Tannehill beat us. And that was their game plan once I, they yeah. came back. Yeah. I mean, it was almost like a script. Uh, it might, right. as, might as well have been. It, so, might, it might have actually helped them. Yeah. I'm with you. Looking right. back. So we're, we're not going to keep talking. As much as I love talking about the Bengals, we'll saying. keep moving. So the other game you just mentioned, uh, the 49ers coming off the big win against Dallas. They go into Green Bay, Lambeau, the snow's falling. What a offensive shit show that game was. But, it, it, I mean, we can talk about a lot of different things and, and Jimmy G and Aaron Rodgers and all that, but – Man, the Packers special teams was so bad. Like, to me, that is singly the reason why they lost that game. Am I wrong, or is there more to it? No, and they have been. They are the single reason. The Niners didn't score an offensive touchdown and won that game 13-10. to The one time they were down inside the five, Jimmy G threw an interception. Yep. 
to me, and that's the same thing. Both one seeds lost at home on the same day. Aaron Rodgers goes down the field, first drive of the game, touchdown. Second drive, they're rolling. I think it was Fred Warner, if I'm thinking correctly, makes a huge play, causes a fumble, gets the ball back for the Niners. Yep. To me, that right there was a play of the game because if they go up 14-0, that game's over. From that point on, they were able to keep Aaron Rodgers to minimal gains at most, of course, off the board other than a field goal. Um well, they, they had a field goal blocked. You yep. know, that that was one play, which the guy just, like, slid through the blockers like nothing. And then, obviously, the blocked punt that we talked about where they got their touchdown. And then uh, even at the end of the game, the Niners are lining up to win the game, and they can't even get 11 guys on the field to try to block it. Yep. Uh, I so, mean, just comedy of errors. Two things about this game that make me think of teams of the past or things of the past. One – this Niners team has a feel of the 07 Giants to me. They beat my undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl. They got hot at the right time. They can rush you with the four up front. They're just tougher than you are. The only thing you're hoping is that Garoppolo doesn't kill them and makes one big throw. Same thing with Eli going into that postseason was, God, I hope he doesn't kill us. <laughs> the second thing is that the Packers have had Favre and Rodgers for the last 30-plus years, and they have two Super Bowls to show for it, three Super Bowl appearances. Which is more than the Bengals. They're it's, like that commercial bad. where some guy is trying to sell something, and he's at the Hoover Dam, and he just puts tape or bubble gum over top of it. Uh, the, they have uh, completely the held seal. that franchise. <laughs> yeah, Flex Seal. They've held that franchise together. If you were to take Rodgers off the same team that's won at least 13 games three years in a row, they probably won seven. Mm. You got any thoughts on the game? Did you watch it, or were you uh, were you checked out at that point? I watched part of it. It was a late game. But I'm, I want to first and foremost give a shout-out uh, to some Packers fans that I know are probably listening. I got Teresa Shepard, Leslie Gluey, and uh, fellow uh, – we don't know sports uh, – what we call it here? Insider. Sorry. Mike Gallo. Mike Gallo. I knew that's where you're going. So, he was he was he was pre-gaming hard. Gallo, Shepard, and Gluey. How are you guys holding up? Uh, I'm just worried about you guys, but then I then again I would know how you're holding up because we all know as well as you that Aaron Rodgers is as good as gone next year. So yeah, yeah. and they don't win playoff games and they definitely don't beat the Niners in the playoffs. I'll say this, Niners. Packers fans, sorry. Here's what just happened. The Denver Broncos today hired Nathaniel Hackett, offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, that's, you know what that is. Last year when they made trades like Von Miller, which was a surprise, and a couple other deals, they got picks back in them. The whole goal there was that the Packers want picks. They don't want players. Rodgers is going to the Broncos. You heard it here, well, like fourth, but – He's going to the Broncos. Nah, I'm with you. Happen. That's the whole reason why they hired him. Yep. And then Rodgers told Green Bay, uh, I will worry about my contract. Go, why don't you go take care of Devontae first? Because uh, I go as he goes right yeah. now. So I, if Adams holds out, and they, I mean, they could both end up going to Denver. Dude, you see Rodgers' comments after the game? Talked about his future off to sit back and evaluate. There's a lot of guys whose contracts are up or are near being up. That'll all have to be evaluated before I make a decision going forward. I mean, the salary cap next year is a mess for them. You get nothing positive from that press conference if you're a Packers fan. No, no. Just the whole body of Dude, no, that run you just talked about with Favre and Rodgers and all yeah. that, it's about to come to a crashing halt. Because Jordan it Love is, is not that guy. It is, no. but like to, to that point, so you're a Packers fan. You've had two championships in 30 years, but – 
let's talk about them Lions and Bengals fans or Bills fans. Would you be happy with it? Absolutely. I mean, I sure. got the fact that they only won two in 30 years, but my God, how many teams would die for that? You know what the Green Bay Packers are of the NFL? The Atlanta Braves. Yes, sir. You knew what I was going to say. Ah, <laughs> oh, we read each other's minds. Uh, you had to, had to stick that in The fact that they won one, but it, they didn't achieve they their potential. They should have been more. Right. All right, let's keep let's keep moving because we got a packed show here. So just the other games. So Tom Brady couldn't get it done, man. Oh, like I, I, I mean, you know, I, so I'm watching this game. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm just going to jump in here. I'm texting back and forth with basket. cousin T. I love cousin T. He's a big man. He's an awesome man. They're down twenty seven to three, and he texts me and he said, "You know what? This sucks." Guys, the contracts came back this year to try and make a run for it. Uh, they're going to leave, retire. It's going to be another 15 years before we make the playoffs because he's a diehard fan. And I said, it's 27-3, just wait. All you need is one <laughs> drive down the field, a dumb staffer throw, and it's 27-17. Yeah, the, my favorite thing was the uh, one of y'all found the meme that showed the Rams uh, logo turning into the Falcons. Oh, that was bone hammer. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, then it quickly changed Just back. kidding. Almost. Not quite. So they make the comeback down 27-3 to three with uh, – there was four or five minutes left in the third quarter. They come all the way back, tie it at 27, and all you're thinking to yourself is get this game to overtime because it's over. The Rams have really self-destructed. Todd Bowles, who last week on our show I said deserves a chance – for another head coaching position. I want to retract that statement because he went single coverage, single high safety. You let mm. Cooper Cup, who won the triple crown this year for wide receivers, beat you on just a – all he did like was just, run straight deep. He didn't do anything him. else. I, I was like, uh, and a beautiful throw too. I mean, yeah. it was great. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we all thought, like, when it started happening, here, here Brady is again. It's going to take yes, place. Back. But, uh, man, the way that team's built – uh, they were just missing too many weapons and, and too banged up. And, Me and, and Biggie were down there watching it. We yeah. were watching the comeback transpire <laughs> until it didn't. Until it didn't. Yeah. I mean, still it turned into be a great Greg game. Greg texted me and he said, well, you want to watch this blow out from here? And I said, you mean the Tom Brady comeback? He did. He did. I'm like, <laughs> he's like, sure. There you go. <laughs> All right. So uh, just uh, quickly on this, is Brady back next year? I got to be honest with you. The first time ever, I, I think Brady is retiring. I do. He's coming back. I think he's back too. Yeah. I think if he's, I he think can't he can't go like that. No, I think that's the way he's wired. There's no way. Well, see, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he comes back, but just knowing for the last 10 but years, you're leaning they've been saying he was going to retire. And every single time he gets asked that question, he's like, what? Did I not play well? Why would I retire? Why are you basing this off my age? For the first time ever, he's noncommittal. I, I think he's noncommittal because Tampa's got to do some things, but I think they're going to work this stuff out. So they keep Evans, they get Gronk to come back, Lenny Fournette, they resign Godwin. in the next year, right? It does. All but, right. So if he plays, it's for Tampa. Yes. Right. right. And it's going to be because Tampa's I mean, got what he needs. You know, yeah. that's all right. All right. So moving on, last game that, you know, hashtag fight forever. You know, wish the Bills and the Chiefs were still just going at it. Just absolutely insanity. And do we need to talk about the game or do we just need to talk about the final two? Only game minutes? of the weekend that the home team won. Ooh, I didn't even pay attention to that. Here's the thing I got to say before we get into this. I've been watching football. I'm 40 years old. I went back through all the old football that I've seen throughout the years. I've seen some great Manning-Brady duels, so it kills me to say this, but Allen and Mahomes from opening kick to the end of the game is the greatest quarterback duel I've ever seen. They both were surgical from the pocket. They can make ever throw over the top, sidearm. Allen read the bills and rush yards. I believe Mahomes led 
the Chiefs in rush yards. First drive of the game. Allen was dump He was running people. all over the place. Had 49 yards on that drive. It was amazing. I I mean, are we just going to skip right to the point and talk about how shitty overtime in the NFL is? Because that's what was wrong with this game, right? That's the flaw. So when we want to argue about Kansas City winning without Buffalo touching the ball, when the Patriots beat Kansas City in Kansas City in They are on the other side of it. Andy Reid proposed rule change to the competition committee that each team in overtime gets one procession guaranteed regardless of the result. They shot it down. So the fact that Kansas City wins the way they did, kudos. Or, you know, that's karma. I, I mean, Each it is. Each team should get a possession. Right. How hard is At that? least in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, I think in the regular season. I do, too. How hard is it to give each team one possession guaranteed? I mean, and look at and the way. stop them, it's over anyway. Look at yeah. the parity in the NFL now. Like, you you need this. Like, let's be honest. Overtime and the game have, has changed so much that well, here's we get the thing tied too. sometimes. Like, if, look at the, go back to the Chargers Raiders bullshit. If like, you were going God. to overtime and you were guaranteed one possession, you're going to kick off the start. You're going to hope to hold them and get better field right. position. So right. you're saying if the first team scores, then the second team scores, you just do it all over. You keep playing. You, After you each play team has had goes. one possession, if it's tied, it then becomes sudden death. Right. Right. But if if the first team kicks a field goal and the second team kicks a touchdown, then you got the whole aspect where the team could go for two now. Yep. Like, I mean, yes, just give them each a possession. That's what I think, too, because if you look at that, there was 24 points scored within the last three minutes of that game. Both def- bleh, both defenses were gassed. Mm. I, I mean, and it's not – I know people will say, we'll just play defense. I get that. They've been playing defense. They were gassed. The, the league is built around offense, though, and, and you're going to say that you don't – get an opportunity at least to try with your offense like that's it's horseshit i'll look at it from this point of view as a patriots fan that chiefs game the afc championship game a couple years ago brady drives them down the field ties a game at right at the end of the game we get the coin toss and we knew their defense was gassed go down the field touchdown game over uh a game against the falcons in the super bowl same thing we've made a huge comeback why even allow us to have the ball first and have the game be over because their defense is gassed? You're telling me Matt Ryan can't pull one rabbit out of his hat and hit Julio Jones for something? Give both teams a shot. It's just good football and more football is never a yeah. bad thing. That's all we're saying. Here, here's just what I'll say to this. Let's get a true winner and not just the, the coin flip decide. I'm curious what you guys think about the end of the game. A lot of it's been said they should have squib kick, kick it short. What do you guys think? I mean, it's easy to be a Monday morning quarterback when it comes to that. I mean, you squib kick. I mean, you give them great field position. It still doesn't matter. I mean. See, I think if you kick it to the five or the ten and you make them run it back and you cover it, you give Mahomes one play for a field goal or two for the game. But honestly, they had the ball at the 25 with 13 seconds left against the number one ranked defense in the league, and you gave Hill and Kelsey two free releases for 45 yards. What did you expect? I'm not a fan of changing a normal strategy just because of the clock. Like, if you would do this in any circumstance and this is how you would execute the play, I think that's what you do. I think sometimes when teams try to do different things, they just F it up even worse. I mean, just – I think the Bills mismanaged how they played defense there, especially on the one to Kelsey that got him down into the field goal range. They tried bringing four there. You're never going to get to Mahomes. Drop him back in coverage. I just – I feel like the Bills defensively mismanaged those last 13 seconds. They maybe get a field goal. It shouldn't have been a 48-yarder. It should have been like a 60-yarder. All right, so we we definitely feel for Bills Mafia. Tough loss. Uh, Just real quick to kind of – 
recap the last little bit of news that came out this week. So we talked about the Denver coaching hire. Uh, Leftwich Leftwich is supposed to be in Jacksonville, but is he? He doesn't like Trent Baalke, so here's the deal right now. Look at that. Look, we're we're saying Leftwich – might get a chance, and now he's calling shots about who the GM's going to be. Yep. I love wow. it. He won't accept the the uh, contract to be head coach as long as Balky's still running the show. Yeah. Like, it, wouldn't he be the guy that interviewed Leftwich, though? Like, you literally just interviewed him, and he's like, yep. I'll take the job, but your ass has got to go. <laughs> what the hell's that about? It's a power move. <laughs> I, I love it. Well, though. for Leftwich – He's got this in his back pocket. Bruce Arians is probably retiring. Yeah. There's a good chance he becomes a nice head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks. And like you guys are thinking, Tom Brady comes back for a year or two. So, all right. So, uh, the, he doesn't have to take the job. The, I thought you were going Sean Payton. No, nah, I, I was going to close with Sean Payton, but we'll go ahead and get that one out of the way. So, when does he end up in Dallas? I'm going to say next year. Okay. Because they already said Dan Quinn's staying in Dallas. And nobody wants to hire Kellen Moore's ass after that playoff performance. Yeah, right. So the band's back together for one more year, and Sean Payton's going to sit by and just wait. I have to say this. If I'm Jerry Jones and I'm 80 years old and I'm a billionaire, I have the most valued franchise, I have my people, I do it if it's legal, and I call Sean Payton. I tell Sean, I'll put you in the ring of honor before I ever hire you. What do I need <laughs> to do? I want one more Super Bowl. Get in here. $100 million contract for three yeah. years. You well, got it. Sean Payton was on Bill Parcell's staff for the Cowboys, what, 15 years ago? It's not like he's a newcomer who's never been in the building. Mm. Sean Payton's the only guy I know that can get barred from coaching for an entire year, and everybody still seems to like him. Yeah. How's that happen? Well, he's like uh, some of these different guys that do or don't get into the Hall of Fame. It's whether or not people like you. <laughs> All right, so Sean Payton's <laughs> going to be on the Cowboys. The Bears hired somebody. And uh, they uh, – what happened? We got some fan interference, Malice in the Palace going, what? We're watching a game in the background. And uh, this is the, the Lakers and uh, the Sixers. Yeah, Carmella. Uh, oh, is that the fan? <laughs> oh, my God. He's oh, like 100. Yeah. What's it, was, it was getting crazy. That's why I was trying to get your attention. Oh, man. I didn't even see that. All right. That's a good place to stop. We had enough NFL, 20 minutes. The Bears hired somebody that was a defensive coordinator for the Colts. Nobody cares. That's not a flashy hire, but maybe he'll do better. Uh, I'm sure Matt he's going to not help with the uh, development of Justin Fields. So, best of luck, Bears fans. But is that it? Is that where we're at now? I think we're good for this. We're segment. good. All right. That's enough NFL until we get to our Stone Cold Lead Pipe Locks of the Week. Oh, and actually, we'll go ahead and talk some more NFL. Here's our No Filter segment, 49ers edition. Hold on to your butts because we got somebody wearing a set of footy pajamas with a butt flap. Hope you're ready for that. Enjoy. It's next. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we went through the bowels of the internet. We found our 49er insider. He's from Parts Unknown. I don't know where that is exactly, but it's in a dark, dimly lit place right now. We see he got his Niners hoodie on right now, like he's about to be tucked in at night. Uh, but he's sleeping well because the Niners have survived and advanced. Ashley Harper joins the show. Ashley, how's it going, brother? Man, better than ever, other than other than COVID. So you have COVID right now? Yeah, I've had it for a couple of days. Uh, I think I'm on the downslope to normalcy. So, man, we we don't know. Sports had a whole COVID onslaught over the past month. All of us have had it uh, for essentially. I think. I think you kind of survived, but your household had it. Oh yeah. Is that a 49ers onesie you're wearing? I bet it's got the footage yeah, in it all day long. 
I'm the way, say, I, I have I'm the, like a gold miner in the 49er yeah. fan, but yeah, it's full on. I right, turn around. We want to see the butt flap. Oh no! I, I've got Velcro. <laughs> oh, wow. I love the it. Velcro butt dog. Okay, that's that's good. So you're uh-huh. you're ready for all situations. Yeah. My uh and our winning percentage when I wear the onesie is higher than Jimmy Garoppolo's win percentage as a niner starter. And that's strong. Okay, so you're keeping track of the <laughs> the important statistics. That that's fantastic to know. So let's let's jump right into it. So you're going up against the Rams and remind all our listeners, what is the Niners record against the Rams this year? Uh that would be two to zero. So it's incredibly difficult to beat a team three times in one year. So tell me why it's about to happen. Well, uh, primarily for the biggest reason, we're the hottest team in the NFL right now. Uh, we've persevered with our backs up against the wall continually. The last time we beat, did beat the Rams, I mean, with all due respect, they had us beat at one point 17 to nothing. We barely scraped out a field goal before halftime. Uh, they're obviously a very powerful team. They've got a lot of star athletes, but that intangible that they do not have is the spirit of our team. Uh, obviously, we we felt, I mean, within inches close of beating the Chiefs two years ago. And I think the core of that team, mostly they're all together, but we have had a lot of new additions. And that's what's put them where they're at. But, but it's that drive. Um, it's the spirit of the team. And I really think the Rams, we know their number. And as soon as we get Jalen Ramsey going cuckoo in the middle of that game, it's lights out. So for that to to be the case, does does Debo need to be more successful in the air or on the ground in this game? I would say it's always going to be a combination of both. The 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 awesome thing is their coach does such a blended play call uh, special. Debo is also an excellent blocker. He can throw blocks that lead to scores. We don't care how we get the points, whether it's that or if it's Robbie Gold kicking nine field goals. We just want to win the ball game. But uh, I, I'd say it'll be a combination of both, obviously. I mean, the last time he played the Rams, he looked like Superman, uh, threw a touchdown pass that day, probably threw more. You know, he was equal to as many touchdowns as Aaron Rodgers threw uh, last week. Actually, threw more. <laughs> Hey, so I got a question for you. Obviously, my rooting interests are over with. You know, my Raiders lost to his Bengals, so you both still have something to cheer here uh, for on the upcoming weekend. But I would say this from outside perspective that the 49ers are the biggest wild card team going into this weekend. And I say that because you look at the other teams and you feel like you could, like, strategize against them on paper. But you guys show up every single week. You put it together a different way. You you really don't know how they're going to beat you. So to me, I was telling Chad last week that I feel like you guys are harder to game plan because it's like no one one week is going to be the guy that kills you like that given week. So yeah. it's different. Like a couple of weeks ago, like people were ready to write off Shanahan as being uh, done in San Francisco, you know. And now look where we're at. You're what you're saying is 100 percent true. So like you don't know what to expect. And I think you're right, Ashley. The Niners might be the most dangerous team out there right now. Maybe not the best yeah. on paper, but the most dangerous for sure. Oh, absolutely. It'd, it'd be like uh, preparing 300 years ago with somebody that's coming up with the very first fireworks. And you're like, hey, yeah, let's get ready to like this son of a bitch. And you don't know what's going to happen. It could explode <laughs> right in your face. It's going to be entertaining and, and one way or the other. Just go for ruin. It could be a dud. I mean, we want to come out the gate strong, uh, obviously, but uh, – 
it is frustrating sometimes as a Niner fan too. I mean, and of course, maybe it's because I grew up in West Virginia. So being a Mountaineer fan, plus being a Niner fan, I see some resemblance sometimes when we play teams that we should just steamroll and we don't show up and it's just lack of execution. And I think that's, that's the key with the Niners when they do execute on the game plan. They're, they're lethal. They're very lethal. And, uh, they do have a number of players that are superior. Don't get recognition. We've had some fill-ins on the, uh, defensive line who've been outstanding. Uh, and that, that's not a, uh, you know, unknown entity. If you're facing us and you're another quarterback, you're scared to death. They don't want to have to play that defense and be on the field the whole time. So it's, it, it does work to our advantage, which our coach has said the past couple of weeks. If we run the ball more than 30 times in a game, we feel we're going to beat any opponent we face. All right, so let, let's back up for a second. How long have you actually been a Niners fan? Uh, that would be since 1984, late 84. Okay, so so you, you've been there for some Super Bowls, you know, probably wearing the diapers, still has the same footy pajamas, so that's good. <laughs> um, the, the, the biggest thing is, you know, when you, when you go back to being a Niners fan that long, like I'm, I'm sure, you know, the ups and downs and, like I'm sure you can remember Steve Young blowing uh, Super Bowl passing records in the '90s when they got their victory there, and then the heartbreak of the the night the lights went out in the dome and all that stuff. But going all the way up to this year, so the Niners made a move and they drafted a quarterback. They drafted Trey Lance. How in the world did we end up from that place to where we are today? You're saying to get here from the mindset of drafting Trey Lance. That would be a long-term of sticking to probably the game plan, which they knew they already have so many key elements in place. Um, anybody also knows primarily, too, unless you know with certainty that a quarterback would be ready to go, when they already have one, that's been a good starter. He fits, and when he's ready to play, he's got a good command on the offense. That's Those are those intangibles that Jimmy G doesn't get any credit for because, obviously, he's not outstanding. He's not a, a, a Tom Brady. Um, he's not a Russell Wilson. He's not going to be able to be as athletic and get out of the pocket and move. But uh, it's just needing to have that time frame for, for Trey Lance to develop, which uh, it, it should scare other teams. I hope it scares other teams in our division to know we've got a cannon of an arm back there that's eventually going to come. But uh, the main thing is just winning ball games. Our culture is to just win ball games. Uh, and at the beginning of the season, being three and five, you, you start to really worry. Obviously, you, you're, you're, you feel like any given step in the wrong way and you're done for. Yeah. You're uh, definitely so, fortunate the Seahawks took a big step back this year because that division's no slouch either, man. That division's tough. Absolutely. And now with, um, you know, who knows what their future is going to hold. They've got way more things in question than we do at the time. But of course, there, there were so many awesome playoffs games this past weekend. That's got to been the most, uh, exciting weekend of playoff football. And maybe in our lifetime, because if you technically look at it, four games came down to the final drive or play of the game in overtime or regulation. They were all within three points. Um, so it was awesome. So what what was more satisfying? Just the fact that, you know, you guys have had the season you've had, you're, you're at the point where you're at now in the playoffs, or just that specific moment going into Lambeau and beating Aaron Rodgers, what might be his last chance as a Packer, is that is that a more sweet feeling or just nah it didn't really matter. Oh, it's been yeah, that I mean the the perfect I could pretty well uh 
retire and be happy with my football fandom if we won the Super Bowl this year. I don't know how it's going to get any greater. I mean, obviously, we could take it back a week before the Packers. Um, I mean, the, that that was just precious how the, the Cowboys ended that ball game, which we stumbled. We allowed them to be in a game that they shouldn't have been in, the, the same as the Bengals about four weeks ago, too, um, four or five, but uh, allowing them to hang around. I'm hoping we go for the throat on the Rams. However, we've been the underdog. We play from behind, and it is such a satisfying feeling, but it can almost give you a heart attack. Uh, It was very difficult. The Packers game, obviously, our offense looked stagnant. We couldn't do a diddly poo, uh, as Coach Mora would call it. (laughs) And we, uh, But somehow, yeah, we squeaked in. We got in the playoffs. And which that was the key is just getting there somehow. The way we did though was against those same very Rams. And now we're going back into their place, obviously, as well. Uh with they're not gonna have the fan base that we do. Yeah, I was we, gonna ask about that. How many how many Niners fans are gonna be rolling into SoFi here? Because I, I saw where they had to do some issues about selling tickets secondhand and whatnot. They they did. They tried to prevent that for so many days and then it got opened back up, but that's uh That's wild. It just shows how intimidated a team is because they knew it was serious. We had so many people in there. Stafford couldn't hear what the hell he was doing. I love it. I think it was great. It's like, man, you're a professional. If you all can't communicate, how do you think NASCAR guys communicate when they're in a pit row and it's loud as hell? They just make it happen. Uh, And Stafford didn't make it happen. And, And a lot of people are just toot on his horn all the time. I mean, he don't, he hasn't been to the Super Bowl. Dude, you got to give him some uh, slack here. Only only time a year he one time a year he plays in front of fans, and it's on Thanksgiving. <laughs> so you got to cut him a break here. He's not used to that. Uh, he's not playing for championships. He's playing for turducken. Yeah. Well, they're going to lose. We're going to beat them. <laughs> I watched Cam, Cam Akers was dropping the the ball like uh, he's not even uh, going to play at- probably now. He looked like Aguilar. He was catching them babies. Right, let me ask Aguilar. you this. Let me ask you this, though. If you go look at the Rams, so, like, what what would keep you up at night about them this week? Like, what is the one thing that can't happen for the Niners and for the Rams to end up having a, a good game and winning? So what's the one thing you're like, nah, I can't see this? That would be tough. I mean, I, I'm not really worried about it. After what we've done, like you like you mentioned on the last question, the Packers. Uh, I didn't really go into that much, but it was just insane that now, we were now in the let's game. Let's be honest. Like, the MVP of that game was the uh, special teams of the Green Bay Yeah, Packers. well, that's where I was going. Our special teams was outstanding. Um, it is weird. Moments before that, too, I literally sat in my chair and prayed. I was like, man, just let somebody find an inch. Find one inch and give it everything they got. Just, just go for it. Go That's for what it. she said. There it was. We blocked the kick. I went nuts. I did have two other Niner fans with me. It's, it's hard in this area to have a collaborated effort of Niner fans, but fortunately, I have a couple in my life that have been also been lifetimers. We went a- absolutely crazy. And then, of course, watching in, as we put the other touchdown in the end zone later on. Same thing. Block kick. Block the punt. Uh, most of the time, too, we run into the kicker. Kicker's going to get plowed. Every nine times out of ten, we're going to knock the hell out of him, and then there you go, another 15 yards. But it didn't <laughs> work out that way. And I don't think it's going to work out that way for the Rams. It, it's just we when we fully execute on all cylinders, which we haven't done yet, if we come out firing, it's all execution style, we're going to murder a team. And I just don't know if it's going to be this coming week. If it's not, then I would say the plate's set. 
and it won't matter if it's the Chiefs or Bengals, but they're going to get slaughtered. Hey, for the record, last week on our Stone Cold Lead Pipe Locks of the Week, I, I not only picked the Niners to cover, but I picked the Niners to beat the Packers outright, on, outright on the podcast. He did. So we all picked the Niners to cover because that's just what the Niners do. And uh, I, we we made him double down because he said, I think the Niners win. So you're going to go ahead and call it right now that they're going to win outright. And, and he did. And for those not following along, as you're here on the show every week, uh, he is uh, one of the best odds uh, choice decision guys in the entire country. Um, but, uh, that being said, uh, he did, I, I gotta give him his moment in the sun here. Hey, who did he pick when the Raiders faced the Bengals? I obviously picked the Raiders because I will not pick Chad's team. Uh, I will also not pick Chad's team. I have not picked the Bengals to cover the last seven weeks. And that is why, you know, that they're in the situation they're in, but I am hoping for a Niners Bengals Super Bowl, because I feel like it's the only way the Bengals can win a Super Bowl is they got to get the the Niners off their back. Since you guys beat oh. us twice, it's the only chance they have. They it's it's a whole season of exercising demons, and it's the only way it can happen. It's it's pretty tough for you guys though. I mean, y'all's relationship the the Bengals to me are like that young child who's been abandoned. Uh, well, not, not necessarily a, it's a dumpster baby, abandoned, but, but, but go with me here. They're just like a small baby. And we all know that the Steelers and Ravens are both, your, both their daddy. So whether their mom maybe had sex with the Ravens and Steelers at the same day, but they're both your daddy. The problem after that is once she was divorced and away from the daddies, the Niners became your stepdaddy, and they can't beat us. We've so, we've whooped your ass twice. We'll whoop twice, them and, and, and and you and you get to talk about that for the time being. I'm hoping that gets to change. But the one thing is about kids, most of them do grow up eventually, and that's when they start whipping the old man. And it's always a sad day when the old man gets a whooping from the youngest one. Yeah. So I, 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 well, I see least, that happening soon. At least y'all got rid of Dalton finally. Hey man, easy on the red rifle. He 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 had some good years there. I, I'm not going to hate on him, but uh, let, let's 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 take it back to the Niners. Though I do want to ask you now, prediction time. So just fill in the blank. The MVP of the NFC Championship game is George Kittle. All right, Jimmy Garoppolo will throw for blank yards and blank touchdowns. That'll be uh, 214 yards and three toddies. Ooh, I like nice. the conservative, but apparently he's targeting Kittle down in the red zone. Oh, that's right. So I like that. And the final score of the game will be. I will give that San Francisco 33 and the Rams 28. Man, so you're taking the over then. Oh, yeah. Hammer yeah. the over. It, there's no that. other reason. The, both of these teams execute. There's way too many weapons on the offense and defense. I, I think it's going to be a pretty big game. Uh, a lot may be who perseveres and stays healthy too. I'm, I'm hopefully. I mean, we're we're full maximum healthy. <laughs> of course, the the Rams they had some injuries early on too, but then they're like, well, we'll go get Von Miller and get uh, Beckham Jr. From the fold. So you know, that's scraping, doing what they gotta do. See, it's it's Los Angeles style. That's how it is. 
the Lakers, the Dodgers, not hating on them. I mean, they just got that big money and they'll just go get whatever they want. Though the only problem is the Rams don't have fan base. They don't have people like me out here raising it. Well, nobody has proven that you've been able to just put together an NFL team full of free agents and make them a winner yet. That's not happened. Everybody that wins, they do it through the process and they, they grow it organically well. and, and they draft well and typically don't overpay for a quarterback. You know, that's usually the teams that win. So the Rams aren't any of those things, and the, the Niners are. So history is kind of on San Francisco's side, and we're not going to reveal our picks yet. That That's in the next segment of the show. But uh, uh, it, it, I, I'm, there's no way this weekend can be as good as last weekend as far as quality of games, though. Uh, something's got to give. You never can tell. We, we had some outstanding games in 2013 to get to the Super Bowl as well. Some folks do forget that the game against uh, – New Orleans was just that Where? was one of the most spectacular. What's that? New Orleans, New Orleans. Yeah, New Orleans. Say, the New game Orleans. with them was was New one Orleans. of the best games I ever saw. I mean, I believe there were <laughs> four or five lead changes in the fourth quarter, back and forth totally. Of course, they had Jimmy Jimmy Graham going nuts, but uh, so you truly just can't tell. But with both of these teams and the rivalry they have, uh, it will be heated. I can see some. Uh, fisticuffs going down at some point hey i always see uh these clips of uh rams games and these idiot it's just like the dodgers man there's always fights in the stands out there and man there's some good ones I, i'm telling you some of these guys can take some punches but all that being said you know we'll watch that on world star i guess but uh the the question i have for you just to wrap up win lose or draw is jimmy garoppolo wearing an honors jersey next year no it's done, right? It's going to be the Trey Lance show no matter what next year just because of price and, and they've already committed. I would say, I would say so. I mean, there's the small chance. If there is a small window, it would probably bring him in just to keep from an injury taking place because obviously Jimmy has had injuries before. And the more you play along, it'll boil down to money, money and sense. All so, right, so I think you said uh, 33-23. Is that what you said? No, 33-28. All right, so is it going to be a game, a play at the end of the game that's going to decide it, or is it going to be a comfortable kneel down? Is it victory formation? I, I, I figure it'll just be our defense coming through, holding things off. Um, they'll need to make a, a drive. We'll probably control the clock right up for the last score and then put it on the defense's heels and lay them down. All right. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Ashley Harper joined us fighting through COVID, repping his Niners, giving us some Ric Flair woos here at the end. And uh Flair's you know, a Niner fan. I, you know what? He's right. I've seen, you can Google that, YouTube, but you'll see Niners uh Niners pregame talk with Flair. I've seen that before. So uh, you know, to be the man, you gotta beat the man. And uh right now the Rams, uh they they look like the man too. So maybe you guys can uh hold up here and we'll see the Niners in the Super Bowl. But Ashley, thanks for coming on, brother. We appreciate hey, it. Thank you guys. All right, brother. Be good, man. Hope you get better. You too, guys. Well, as we continue to wait on baseball to figure out their dumbasses and see if we have a season, we did get gifted with the Hall of Fame announcement, and the ballot was full. We had a lot of people on the last year, next to last year, and drum roll, the Hall of Fame announcement was David Ortiz is your lone survivor. So, Mr. Brown. One of his first chance. First chance. I did. I I text you. I didn't think he'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but given the fact that there's hate out there for uh, the people that didn't get in, uh, you weren't that surprised. 
Yeah, I expected it would be uh, uh, included in the Hall of Fame this year. The only problem was because uh, of his competition. Yeah. Uh, he's just everybody wanted to vote for at least somebody, and they didn't want to vote for the other guy. And he's such a likable guy. He is a likable guy. His first year on the ballot was the tenth year of a lot of guy of people who a lot of guys writers hate, and I think that's what made it such a slam dunk for him. Uh, I think uh, A Rod's taking notes, and he's trying to follow Big Poppy's post fo- uh, baseball career to try to see if he can be as likable. The only difference is, uh, doesn't A Rod come across as a guy that's trying way too hard to be likable, or Big Poppy's just likable? Well, <laughs> I would say he's coming across as way too hard. Although this year we may have the A Rod version of the Manning cast, which I know Mr. Brown loves. <sighs> like. If you would have told me 10 years ago A-Rod was going to be around baseball the way he is, I would never have believed it. Well, I have this question for Mr. Brown. So David Ortiz made it in, first ballot, DH. He has the exact same career and plays in Kansas City. Is he first ballot Hall of Famer? Well, I wouldn't say he is because he wouldn't have the postseason experience. Yeah, you wouldn't have the the streak. Right, right, right. But my thing on that is – so we, we did a poll in my baseball group about the top DH of all time. Of course, it went head-to-head with Edgar Martinez. Who's in the Hall of Fame. Big Poppy. Um, but it was, it was neck and neck. It took Edgar his last year on the ballot. Yeah, he was in year 10, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. And Poppy gets in in his first year. That shows the discrepancy because they're, like, Edgar and Poppy are neck and neck. And you're as far tell as on me, field, yeah. You're going to tell me that Poppy just gets in – that shows you the competition on the ballot and people being uh, – the writers being – What shows you how flawed this is. No, I mean, the writers are being stubborn about the process and certain players they don't want in. Right. Because if that's that happened to be the players that are on the ballot with Poppy, whereas Edgar got in, which he should have been earlier, don't get me wrong, but they're neck and neck. You can't tell me one's a 10-year guy and one's a first-year ballot. You know what makes me mad about this is that you can go to what's on the field. So if you want to say Barry Bonds did it to himself, I'm okay with that. Some of these other guys who don't get in and one of the clauses, it's a character clause. You mean this fat piece of shit guy who writes and has a bunch of skeletons in his closet? He well, gets to determine the character. That's the problem with all this is it's because it's not crap. consistency. There's no consistency no. with it. I get that if you want to have integrity as part of it, but like – Who's you? Where's the litmus test for this? Where you decide yeah. like Poppy failed a PED test? How in the how in the hell is he in then? Yeah. I got something on that. Go ahead. So it happened in 2003, right? And that was when they were starting to get it rolling. Correct. Um, it was supposed to be confidential, right? But no one, including Poppy, would say what caused him to fail that test. All Poppy would say was that, oh, I think it was something over the counter. And no one pressed him further about it. Right. So it could have been over-the-counter substance. It could have been just steroids. You know, it could have been anything. Because he doesn't look like a steroid user either. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the fact is, no one pressed the guy, and it was fine. And Because he, 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 he wasn't an asshole like right. Bonds, you know. And he said that no one before 2003 should be held to that standard, you know, because, like he said, I'm not Manny. I didn't fill a test. Right? Right, right, right. That, that counted, you know, but – if that's the same logic, 
put Clemens and Bonds in because right. they never even failed a test, period. Sosa and McGuire should be in. They didn't fail anything. All they part did of the was game. bad with the Balco, Balco investigation. And Poppy actually failed a test, whereas the other guys didn't. And you're going to knock them off the ballot because of suspicion and that they were pricks? Right. Like it, Bonds is a prick. I can't say McGuire and Sosa were pricks. Right. But they were the scapegoats that brought baseball back from the strike, and now we're going to shit all over them? Right, and Give then me a break. and then let's Bud Selig and everyone else knew what was going on. Well, Bud Selig's in the Hall of Fame. Exactly. <laughs> everyone mean, knew what was going on. They, these people filled seats. Right. They brought baseball back, and we're going to sit here and turn the blind eye while it's happening. We know what's happening, but now they're not able to be in that wing in the Hall of Fame, which is complete bullshit. I'm 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 pissed about it. It is shitty because it ruins the Hall of Fame to a certain degree. You know what David Ortiz did before he went to Boston? He played six seasons in Minnesota. He hit 268 with 58 home runs. He That's what he was looking up on his phone over there. $1.25 million contract, and guess what? They cut his ass. Yep. Mm. Well, the other thing about it, and I saw a couple different sports writers that came out re- referencing Barry Bonds, and they were saying, so we all benefited off of him doing this. Yeah, you covered him. Yeah. You, you were writing articles about him. You were watching the games. That's what I saw Stephen A. Yep. Smith and uh, – jackass russo i saw them get into it where he's like you were covering them you were i've been to your house and you were watching games of the giants you know he's like well they were in the playoffs right you were covering his ass you know i, I mean but now you're going to turn a blind eye yep i mean it's- yeah, so let's talk about it real quick so you got barry bonds he's the all-time home run leader i all-time love me walk some- leader I'll, i mean i love me some hank aaron god i love me some hank aaron god rest his soul but Barry Bonds is the best hitter I've ever seen. It's not close. For God's sakes, they would walk him with the bases loaded to give one run in instead of four, and it happened multiple occasions. The guy would get one pitch a game in his oh, Giants yeah. years, and he would strike the ball into McCovey Cove, and he would walk the other three times. His own base percentage would be 1,000 for the day, and – that's fine, but guess what? Steroids don't make him do that. It don't change your eye contact, and you know no. it don't change none of that. I don't think anybody's taking away what he did on the field. It's just the fact he did it anyway. Did the steroids anyway? That goes into that he stupid was a integrity. Hall of Famer thing. in the Pittsburgh days, right? And it's like, where do you draw the line on that stuff? So I don't even like that argument. Just put him in anyway because what happened on the? It's like when the NCAA acts like Louisville didn't win a national championship and USC five. Yeah, I mean, if uh, you weren't testing for it, then let the man in. Like, he didn't fail nothing. He he played the games and he did what he did. Right. Let me ask you this. Roger Clemens, most Cy Youngs of all time was seven. Do you want him or you want Jack Morris on the mound? Yeah, I want Roger Clemens. That's the point. Like, the fact is, Rocket Clemens from the Boston days, a badass. He came to the Yankees. He didn't falter under the pressure. He's a badass. Like, seven Cy Youngs. All-time home run king, Barry Bonds, not in the Hall of Fame. It's bullshit, and we haven't even got to Kurt Schilling yet. Well, let's go ahead and go there because Schilling is a guy by any measure should be in there. So before we get into that real quick, I have, I have one thing that slipped my mind. I good. We want to keep talking about Bonds, Clemens, Sosa, McGuire. Let's talk about Rafael Palmeiro. He's one of seven <laughs> players in the history of baseball to have 3,000 hits and over 550 home runs. You know why he's not in. Because of that grand jury. That's it. But my point is, one of seven players to achieve those stats. Oh, you mean historical significance. But he never felt a drug test. Oh, but he, but he looked good. He, he, looks he didn't like look good it. on Capitol Hill, though. Yeah, no, he did not. Uh, he pointed <laughs> his finger. 
But Remember that? 3,000 Can't hits trust that guy now. And over 550 home runs. Seven players ever, but no one's talking about Palmeiro right now. Hmm. People forget uh, about him. He well, that's because he's off the ballot conversation. Now. They always bring up Bonds, Clemens, Sosa, McGuire. They don't bring up Palmeiro, and they should because what to me, Palmeiro is in that class with Bonds where he's a Hall of Famer. You should put him in Clemens. Bonds, Clemens, and Paul Merrill should all be in the Hall of Fame. If you want to keep Sammy Sosa out, that's fine. Marginal player, juicing obviously helped him. Mark McGuire hit 49 home runs in his rookie year. He didn't look anything like he did five, six dude, years Sosa's later. got over 600 career home runs. I know, but he hit freaking 300 Mc... home runs in like four years, it felt like. He was a badass. <laughs> I mean, but Mark McGuire in 1987 hit 49 home runs as a rookie as a stick. Yeah. Granted, his forearms were cut, but he was lean. Well, he nope. was just now getting to know Conseco then. Exactly. <laughs> the dude hit 49 home runs as a rookie. See, to me, when I look at steroids, there are certain guys I can see where they popped for a year or he two. He wasn't Big Mac back then. And they probably helped him like Brady Anderson. But for the most part, <laughs> Brady Anderson hit you can't tell me runs. that steroids really improve any of these guys' overall play. It just doesn't. Barry Bonds, like Mr. Brown look, was saying. That's not the point, though, why these people aren't voting them in. You know, what, freaking, you know what it is, though? It's a convenient excuse. It's like when these politicians take a certain part of the Constitution because it benefits what they're trying to right. sell and to And they're going to stand on that soapbox forever now. They're not going to change it because they you can't sit there for the last 10 years these guys have been on the ballot and now change your stance. I like, saw Maybe a couple did because they're like, we just wanted to make them sweat because we're pissed. But there's people that they're never going to change their mind. Yeah. This is what they think until they – but here's the thing. These guys are all going to get in on the players' the committee. committee. There's, there's no way they don't. I saw a tweet from Jeff Passan or Passan, and it said that the uh, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame has monumentally failed if they don't put Barry Bonds in on Tuesday. It's a museum. Yeah, you've held him out. It's like if you want to make him wait till tenth year, like you just said, that's fine. That was your punishment. Do not put him in at all. It's you're trying to control what this guy did. And Marcus Stroman had a tweet talking about how players appreciate Bonds. They know he's a Hall of Famer. Same with we've with talked Clements. to people on the you're, show. Like you're looking for validation from a bunch of fat writers who look like me. Get out of here. All right. So what about when it comes to shilling? When it comes to the players' committee, is he going to be able to get in? And, and like you, Mr. Brown, you uh, you kind of had a conversation with Kurt Schilling, uh, and go ahead and uh, what, what was his thoughts? I mean, I'm going to go ahead and quote him because this is what he said about his right, go ahead. candidacy. He said, I, and he, he was in a baseball group, but he was like, I appreciate you guys and the support. Bottom line is that no one took anything away from me today, and the game owes me nothing. Now, if I get in, it will be without the writers, the same writers who created Kurt Schilling that doesn't exist, and I can live with that. So I, I'm glad he's at peace because, uh, you know, was it last year he said, just go ahead and take me off the ballot? Like he, he, he was already at that point. Um, but uh, look, like he said some politically and, and I think some racially charged statements. I, I can't remember exactly what it was because now it's just become the myth of how much we have to not like Kurt Schilling because he's controversial. Uh, but again, let's just talk about what happened on the field and, and what he meant. And the same reason Ortiz is in and killing the curse like Schilling was a part of that, too. Can we not remember this? You send parts of Schilling to the Hall of Fame, the bloody socks there. Right. Or you can do that, right? No, Dude, on top Kurt of that, though, you got Jim Cott, who just got elected. I mean, give me Kurt Schilling over Jim Cott every day. I know Jim Cott won like 16 go gloves. I got it. You give me Kurt Schilling over him. Kurt Schilling measures up very well against Mike Messina. I mean, there's yeah. players in the Hall that Kurt Schilling completely dwarfs, and mm -hmm. it's not even close. 
Kurt Schilling won at least 21 games in three different seasons. He won at least 15 games, which is a nice measure for pitchers, and nine different seasons, eight or nine different seasons. His ERA during the steroid era was under three and a half, which is impressive. Really, the only guy in the that American dominated. League, right, right, right. Yeah, outside of Pedro, who was really dominant, then you look, kind of look just a little further down. Right there's Kurt Schilling. What's funny though, and you're 100 percent right. In 2004, Kurt Schilling and Pedro were one and one A, yep, one A yeah. and one B, because like they were that good to where you couldn't say, oh, it, Pedro is this much better than Schilling. They were right there. And here's the other thing about Kurt Schilling. You said 2004. When were the uh, Phillies and World Series against Blue Jays? 1993? So younger in his career, you're 11 years later, So, and he was kind of pudgy. He learned how to pitch, and he got better and better. His Diamondback years were probably – Diamondback Reds. That, that, that was probably his years, peak but, as far as regular yeah. – Yeah, yeah. It just – there's no – he did not cheat the game in any single way. Nah, but we're not going to put him in the Hall of Fame because we don't like him. Ah, we don't it. like hurt feelings, but the dude was an absolute badass. And, Kurt, I appreciate you taking the time and uh, letting us know what's on your mind. You don't have to tell us anything, but we appreciate the fact that yeah. you let us know what's resonating with you because we all know and you know it's complete horse shit. And we love the, uh, what you gave to the game. We know you didn't leave anything out there. You gave it your all. For three different teams, and uh, so we appreciate it, man. I mean, so thank you. He and all the other guys, they're in our Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, we, we could just completely end the show bitching about this, like, to no end, but I, I think we'll take a deep breath and try to move away. But I didn't want to say that I found a silver lining in, in all of this. I'm fairly certain Joey Votto will make the Hall of Fame now if Ortiz can get in on the first ballot. Votto's probably the first ballot now. There's my optimism because he actually plays in the field. But uh, uh, it, it's the sliding scale now. It's just it's going to be like like you were doing here this entire time. You were referencing guys that didn't get in versus guys that did get in. It just it makes me hate the Hall of Fame. It's just absolutely. You know what it's almost become? It's a popularity contest. It's like the. It's like a it, bad it, high school click. Well, yeah, it's like that. But what I was thinking is it's uh, like the NBA All-Star game. Oh, Whoever yeah. votes the most, that's your starters. The God, coaches, yeah, it's the coaches like the, the, the writers are like the idiot fans yep. who they're still voting Yao Ming as starting center because uh, there's a lot of them from China voting. Yep. So now your first 10 years, that's the popular vote. After that, it's guys you played with, which is what Sheeling said. And he'll get in, and when he does, we should all go to Cooperstown and watch him give his speech. There we go. <laughs> Get to hear that a couple more times. The music, the NFL chimes always signify when it's time for the Stone Cold Lead Pipe Locks of the Week. And we are in the Conference Championship Week. And I'm still rooting for my Bengals, who are still alive. But we got two games. That's it. That's all we got. And um, Mr. Brown, Biggie, is requesting that you actually pick before him since you are clearly dominating. Like, just absolutely brought it home last week going three and one. And Biggie, what was your record last week? Two and two. Well, he was one and three. I one. think he was one and three. Yeah. Yeah, let's get Before that we right. tie going into the week. I know you have a two game lead on me now. I thought I had a three game lead. Well, if Lots you go three and if you were tied and you went three and one. No, we had a, I have a three game lead because you have to match me this week and win the Super Bowl. Oh. Wait, let me let me check the tape. So maybe here. I should just pick correctly so I finish in the top ten. 
Yeah, no, you you have. Remember, I remember this last week because we were talking about the Chiefs and the Bills. Oh yeah, Mr. Brown is a hundred and fifty-three, one twenty-seven and two. Biggie, you're one fifty, one thirty. Yeah, yeah you've got to win every single game to tie me. But what if I want you to win? Well, then let me win, brother. <laughs> I said, uh, knowing all that, are you going first or do you no, want Mr. I'm Brown to go first? No, right. Mr. Mr. Brown. Brown is our picks leader and he has been for like eight weeks, except for the week I tied him. So I want to know what the guy who knows what's going on, especially on Thursdays, has to say. All right. Well, we're going to start with the AFC game in Arrowhead. The Cincinnati Bengals on the road. The Chiefs at home. Give them seven points. They're a seven point favorite. The Chiefs are a seven point favorite. Seven even. God bless. It's a big spread. Oh, wow. I'll remind you that the last time these teams played, Cincinnati won 31 to 28. Yeah. Uh, so, the Chiefs are going to win the game. But I've got to go Bengals to cover. That's a big spread. Yeah. Mm. I just, I'm, I'm going Bengals to cover, but Chiefs will win for sure. You got a prediction of a final score? Bane. No. <laughs> I think that uh, Chiefs will win 31 I think it'll be like a push. Okay. So like 31, 24. Okay. All right. I, I can see that. Biggie. Well, for the sake of doing a pick well. opposite of you to get to the Super Bowl. Is that what you were doing? <laughs> the logic runs deep I think this that uh, Joey Franchise is going to come out after this game wearing them tinted gray sunglasses or whatever they are. They're like oranges because they're going to be victorious and go into the Super Bowl. But for the sake of beating you in the Super Bowl and finishing tied for the year, I'll take Andy Reid going for one more piece of chocolate cake. <laughs> so he's going to get more. He's going to win by more than seven. Thirty-eight twenty. Mm. Ah, hey, if you're, uh, things are looking grim. Just be the Grim Reaper, right? right? Isn't that what they say? All right, I like it. All right, so uh, you know I have a tradition here, and uh, it's not time to break tradition. So I'm just going to say the Chiefs are going to cover. I just hope both teams have fun. <laughs> That's it. That's it. What else can I say at this point? What am I supposed to do? Like I've, I've had this cosmic control. I've studied in the dark arts, and I've managed to have the Bengals get this far. I can't Jack, abandon ship now. If this works for you, and they win the Super Bowl, you got to take that cosmic Absolutely. karma thing Absolutely. and apply it to West Virginia. That's exactly right. I will do my best. All right. So we're uh, just recap. So I have the Chiefs. I you have, have the Chiefs. The Chiefs. You're the lone Bengal. Meow. Hey, that was the confidence That's there. what's going to happen. All right, the NFC game. Let's move over there. We had uh, our uh, 49er insider earlier with Ashley Harper talking about it. And, you know, we don't need to repeat his confidence here. So we'll go to more of the logic route here. So, Mr. Brown, the Rams at home, where there might be a lot of Niners fans, they're a three-and-a-half-point favorite. All right, so I hate to burst this bubble. But his luck's run out. You're not going to beat the team three times in a row. It's hard to do. The Rams are winning this game. Uh, Vaughn Miller showed up last week. You got uh, Aaron Donald. Their their front four is going to wreak havoc on Jimmy Garoppolo and whatever else the Niners try to do. They're going. They're, they can't. They can't stop the Rams' front four. So they're going to wreak havoc. And all Matt Stafford's going to have to do to win this game is be a Jimmy Garoppolo and manage the game. <laughs> manage the game. And the Rams are going to win. Gotcha. You got a prediction on final score? I'm going to say the Rams are going to win 34-28. Okay. 
All right, Biggie, you're on the clock. Remember a couple weeks ago when the Niners had to win to make the playoffs because the Saints had won earlier in the day? They're down 17-0 towards the end of the second quarter. They could have folded right there. They're not a comeback team. Jimmy Droppolo, he doesn't bring you back. Jimmy G, he don't throw the ball. He doesn't make mistakes, right? What did they do? They came back and won that game in overtime. Jimmy G was slinging it all over the place. Well, how did the game end? Matthew Stafford interception in overtime. How many straight wins is that for Kyle Shanahan over Sean McVay? Seven. You know what's a lucky number eight? eight? Eight's always been good to me. Magic eight, eight ball. I'm taking the Niners right here, baby. Niners in the Super Bowl. You sound like you just did an eight ball. <laughs> That's what I was going to uh, say. How come I didn't get out of the coke? Uh, the, the clock on the wall was not a timer it's counting down how much out. time was left in the show. There's still snow on the <laughs> ground. I'm paying for extra time. You got time. You can get it all Harper, out. let's roll, baby. We're oh, going to the Super Bowl. Shit, how am I supposed to follow that? I'm just going to say the Rams are going to cover. I don't know. You're the lone one on that one. You deserve to be the lone one on that one. Wow. All right, while you catch your breath, let's bring it back. Do you have a prediction on the final score? Biggie, are you okay? Get up. Ah, Get up, Biggie. Oh, my chest hurts. Colin Amberley. 27-19. The power of porn finds gold in L.A. All right, so he's going. He's got to pick what I don't pick because he's a dumbass, and he put himself in the situation. He's doing what he's got to do. It's not about integrity anymore. It's about just trying to rock the boat and win. Yeah. Uh, He's lost all credibility at this point. I got the Rams winning twenty seven thirteen. I think yeah. uh, I think Ooh. the Rams. Uh, it's it's a closer game. You're going to feel like the Niners got a chance there toward the end, and then all of a sudden, uh, the Rams find a way to just get that emphatic touchdown with about two and a half minutes left to put it away, and that's how it's going to go. So, uh, what does uh, what does a Niner do? What, what's the lone wolf there? Who plays for the Niners? Debo. The, what? Oh, are you going to ride the bike? The power of porn. <laughs> We need that music that Debo gets when he's riding the bike. What? What bike? <laughs> My grandmama gave me that chain. So I love the fact that all I got to do is win a one of two and it's wrapped up, boys. I can watch the Super Bowl, not worry about a damn thing, and I can actually watch a good Super Bowl halftime show. The halftime with- show will be Biggie walking in with his uh, whipped cream bikini yeah. on, right? And that with the bed. I'm talking about the entertainers. We actually got a good group of entertainers. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant that entertainer. Yeah. Mind. Ah, I'm right. looking forward Ain't to the Super Bowl. nobody want to see that. <laughs> so that has been the NFL Stone Cold Lead Pipe Locks of the Week. We managed to actually stretch out two, two games quite a bit there. That was fun. We only get one next time. We're not going to do the Pro Bowl, right? Nah. No. No. You watching the Pro Bowl? No. no. No, nobody's watching the Pro Bowl. All right, until next time, that's it for the Ain't NFL it. Picks, boys. <laughs> I can't. So, well, we, we got him up off the floor, so he, he's okay. Are you, are you breathing all right, Biggie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all I want to do is just end the show, but now we have to check vitals and all kinds of stuff, and I don't know. I'm glad you your son's heart rate monitor help you get here. Blood pressure machine. I don't, I don't think you want to see what the heart rate is right now. Just stop doing. He's coding. Shock him. <laughs> stop doing blow. It'll be all right. Uh, all right. Normally, we like to to end the show with some type of pop culture. And I, I will tell you, uh, I know Mr. Brown's got something he wants to bring up. I am unusually excited to see a movie that's coming out. I probably will go to the theaters. And I'm, I'm saying if you guys want to go. I'm kind of interested in this jackass movie. I just want to see if anybody dies. Dude, I'd be down to go to the theater and watch it. All right. I, I'm, I'm taking I mean, is it to see who gets heartburned the quickest? I, I don't know. 
I mean, that's where we're at because they're about our age. But uh, that means uh, there's probably more injuries taking place. Yeah. More x rays, things like that. I don't know. The. the is fact Steve out of rehab, this. or is he dead? No, nah, he's out. He's he's in it. Yeah, I don't know. Some of them have died. That's, I saw this meme that said uh, it's for old guys like us to make us feel good about ourselves with these young punks. And hell yeah, they grew up on TikTok. We grew up on Jackass. We're not the same. <laughs> That's exactly Amen. right. Amen. So uh, that being said, uh, maybe something not as uh, lowbrow as that, uh, Mister Brown. You you've been on the documentary kick. So is there uh, another one for everybody to check out? Yeah, I talked about uh, the All Madden. We right. talked about the Batter Bastards of Baseball. Right. And my other one is Once Upon a Time in Queens. It's a four-part documentary, 30 for 30 on ESPN. A lot of people have seen it, but if you haven't seen it, you've got to check it out. So it's a four-parter? Yes. I didn't realize it was that, that big. Four it's parter. like a miniseries. Dude, they deep dive. Damn. It's pretty good. Dude, it's great. So And like friend of the show, Ed Hearn. In episode three, huge appearance in that in that episode because they're talking about where he stepped up down the stretch run when Gary Carter went down, and he led them down the stretch. And then they're like, "Well, just Gary, take your time getting healthy because we got to add her." He's hot. This thing, showing him going yard, and he's just doing his thing. But uh, it was awesome. All the different personalities. Keith Hernandez. He's sitting there doing a documentary, petting his cat, talking about it all. It, it, it's crazy. Hey, Keith <laughs> Hernandez is getting his number retired by the yeah. Mets this year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One of the best defensive third baseman, or sorry, first baseman of all time. And it, it, there were so many personalities on this team. So if you watch it, the one person that stood out to me was freaking Lenny freaking Dykes. Yeah, nails, baby. God. He was so – you can tell the man has done so many damn drugs, he can't even formulate a correct sentence. It's so, that bad. So they, they have him on their present day. Yeah. Really. No, they're interviewing him. Yeah, but like uh, Dykstra's kind of out there now, right? No, they're interviewing the guy, and he's just like, yeah, man. He says, don't you show me your tits, and I was like, yeah, show me your tits, man. That's how, that's how the conversation goes. And that was just the cameraman he was talking to. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> Dykstra was crazy. tried to get women in the freaking uh, – the uh, runway to the dugout there between innings. So damn, the eighties were a wild time. It was great, <laughs> and like they they went into the fact that where uh, New York, you know, it was a Yankees town, and the Yankees were struggling at the time, and 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 then the Mets did their thing, but then like New York literally had a blackout at that time, and like people were uh, stealing uh, and pillaging the city and burning it to the ground almost. It was bad. People were getting murdered. It was a bad time in New York City. Yeah, the right? mid-80s crime rate in New York was insane. Yeah, so... Hey, I saw the movie Joker. That was right. all That was all that. It was... It's a lot to think about. It really is. But then you got all these guys. You got Dykstra, Strawberry, who was just a stud, but he loves Coke, along with Dwight Gooden with the Coke. <laughs> and like, So they all like Coke. It, yeah, that I mean, was, it, it was, was the 80s. It was crazy. And the fact that Davey Johnson's their manager, and he's just like, you know what? I just got to do my thing, and we're going to try to win the World Series. And He just let him run wild. He didn't have any kind of discipline on the players whatsoever. He had zero control in the locker room. So the point is, yes, they won the World Series in 1986, but many people are now speculating 
Had they had someone other than Davey Johnson. It could have been a dynasty. Would they have done more than just one World Series? It just happened to fall in place for one season. Or or is that the reason why they even won one to begin with? Because they were allowed to just be you just themselves. let them be themselves. Yeah. I mean, you could go either way. You can't cage a wild animal, baby. I'm just saying, dude. Well, out of control. On that note, on their flight back from Houston after they had won and they were going – uh, into the World Series against the Red Sox, they completely destroyed the plane. And then ownership wants them to each pay a certain portion for plane repairs and whatever. Right. And Davey Johnson's up there talking to him about it. Then he rips it up, and he's like, F ownership, we're about to go win them a World Series. Do your thing. That sounds like Lou Brown. That's great. And, and one of the other players that stood out to me was Kevin Mitchell. And people know Kevin Mitchell mainly from his days with the San Francisco Giants because he was yeah. on the blooper rule where he caught that ball barehanded. One-hander, yeah. Yeah, over his shoulder. Kevin Mitchell was the guy on the 86 Mets, believe it or not, everyone was scared to death of. Really? He was a young guy coming up. But like, they were was like, not a rookie that year? I don't know if he's a rookie. But they're like, this dude's got some connections. We don't want to mess with Kevin Mitchell. <laughs> Yeah, he comes from the mean streets. Yeah, and it was so bad in perception with Kevin Mitchell that they're like, we got to trade him. They traded him to the Giants immediately. When you got Cokeheads, Daryl Strawberry, and Dwight Gooden on your team, and then he goes out to the Giants, wins an MVP. Yep. And it's crazy. 40, high 40s home runs. So, out of everything that was uh, revealed during that documentary, What's the thing that stood out the most to you? Because I, I know what it is to me, but what stood out to you is just something you didn't know or something you had forgotten about. You mean other than Lenny Dykstra? Yep. I guess the fact that I didn't realize, and it's probably different from you actually being the baseball guy. I feel like everyone knew about Dwight Gooden, but I didn't realize how good the Mets starting staff was. They were lights out. You had Ron Darling. You had uh, – Dwight Gooden, you had Sid Fernandez, you had Ojeda, all these guys. And then I, knowing me, I paused it and I went and looked at baseball reference and I was like, damn, all these guys did this in 1986? They had a lights out starting five rotation. So to me, that's the thing I think it's forgotten the most because you think of a guy like the ball through the legs. You get, you remember Daryl Strawberry and. Keith Hernandez and Lenny Dykstra, you forget the fact that other than Doc Gooden, they had three other guys who were just lights out. Uh, Ron Darling was one hell of a pitcher. The thing that stuck out to me the most throughout the entire thing was the fact that Doc Gooden missed the victory parade for the World Series because when they got done winning the World Series, he went to a Coke house and got so high that he watched the World Series parade in New York from that house. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I remember that. That was nuts. That like so the you're you're the next greatest thing. You're Doc Gooden. You're not on that boat going through town. You're watching it on TV because you can't get there. So there's your so amazing on drugs. Uh, there's your amazing part is that these guys are alive and some of them living a, a very nice life now, knowing that they had those demons at the time. It's just insane. Here, here's what was craziest too, and I'm glad you brought that up. The fact was. Despite all this turmoil going on, Gary Carter, okay, devout Christian, was always thinking, you know, like very strong in his beliefs. Uh, so they interviewed his wife several times in this documentary. He was the glue that held it all together. And the fact is, he's on this team with all these delinquents. And it's Gary Carter, and like MVP Gary Carter. 
And he's gone now because he passed away, but his his belief was so strong. And it, it's just funny how things work out because he's the guy that's mixed in with all this, and he's the when, one that's gone now. Yeah. When I watched that. It's weird. It's, it's not fitting, right? It's right. just, just – Odd. It, it kind of had the feeling of like they'd say Phil Jackson was the coach, but they feared Michael Jordan. You know, they kind of feared letting Gary Carter down. You know, they didn't outright did. like say right. that, but you can tell that. Yeah, you can tell that. How yep. fitting that we close football with Biggie going on cocaine and fueled, you know, tirade, and then we end up talking about the '86 Mets. See, it's okay. all connected, See, it just like all, in, it was all fit in. Like, just, it's almost like we planned it. I mean, is there a script for the show? Yeah, yeah maybe we no. should start scripting this. Yeah, we're I like that know. little kid manifest. It's all connected. <laughs> uh, all right, well, I think that's a good place to wrap her up, fellas. We got a huge weekend coming up for football, and we'll be back at it. And we we get a week off because we're not going to talk about the Pro Bowl, but I'm going to get time to maybe check out the documentary for the Mets because I have not seen that. That's an ESPN one. Yeah, 30, so for 30. 30 for 30. So ESPN Plus, you can get it. Um, Five ninety nine a month. Five ninety nine a month. Ah, these bastards. Oh, well. They get what they get. Well, that just wraps remember, it up. before oh, you ahead. say you're going to wrap it up, uh, I forgot this last week. If you are not – experts like us here at we don't know sports call one on her 1-800-GAMBLER yeah we're supposed to do that on the gambling section yeah that's I your part two weeks in a row i damn it big all right well now i can wrap up ladies and gentlemen that has been the we don't know sports podcast we appreciate you bringing us into your earbuds once again have a wonderful weekend enjoy the conference championship games and we'll see you next week bye bye